get messy and show the world you growing as an artist and you're free to be yourself you got a dream you need to start it stick together get messy says you're formally invited to a community where you can find people that spark the feel of excitement too many art supplies not enough time no it's tougher so you must find a way to feel some connection you got a lot of people with the same kind a great mind we're here for you a platform so we can hear your views time's yours forget chores i know you bored of them same rules Hey there, Messy Artist. If there's one person who's changed my life the most in these last few years, it's this woman, Deborah Engelmeyer. Deborah Engelmeyer runs a membership for handmade sellers, and it's called Tis It. <laughs> I love it. She has the craziest hair, and that's pretty much all you need to know about it. No, I'm joking. There's lots more you need to know about her. Deb and I are business besties. And what I mean by that is that we send each other 20 minute long voice notes on WhatsApp daily. We're always chatting. We're always chatting about the highs of business and the lows. We're talking about all in-betweens, how we find work-life balance, or we complain about how we can't find that balance. My creative business is obviously art and getting others to create art. And Debs, as I mentioned, is about getting others to sell their art and go from making for yourself to making for others, which is such a big jump. And while this podcast probably will never be about how to sell your art. That is not where my my heart lies. I thought it might be fun to peel back the curtains, which is a terrible phrase, but apt, and give a bit of insight into what it's like running a six-figure creative business. I share six-figure. It's, it's like such a, a dirty... <laughs> catchphrase in online marketing at the moment but it does give you some idea of the size of business that we're running we both run essentially the same business just different people but we both have a membership and so we both really get it we get it and so in lieu of sharing our whatsapp voice notes here is a podcast episode between my business bff and i about our businesses. If you are not a business owner, I think this will still be nice to listen to. We don't only talk about businesses. We definitely do not talk about the technical aspects of businesses. We speak a lot about mindset, about the work, imposter syndrome, balance, what type of person you need to be having an imperfect business. We also speak a lot about how we had to get over our accents online and about being different in that way. We speak about self-forgiveness, giving up, and community. These are things that make up our business and as I'm discovering repeatedly, I can always apply the lessons I learn from other areas of my life into my art. And I think you can do the same with us too. Deborah Engelmeyer, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you. Hi, Kaylee. <laughs> Hi. So we are friends. Can yes. I say that we're friends? <laughs> we're a little bit friends. Like we talk to each other outside of work, like about work. But um, maybe you can introduce yourself. Well, okay. Where do I start? Do, do we want the? I'll, I'll go short because I'm sure we'll talk more in the episode and you'll discover who I am. But I, so my name is Deb. I'm originally from France. You might hear this weird accent I have. Living in Australia and I'm the founder of a business called Tizit Deco where I help makers or handmade sellers essentially turn their handmade skills into consistent income. So I teach them business and marketing so they can make money with their creativity. Oh, that's nice. That's the short version. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, it covers all the important parts, right? It covers your crazy weird accent. I've never yeah. had an accent like yours, like a mixture of Australian and French. Like what? What? Um, and yeah, I like the way you say like turn their creativity into money. Yeah. Which is a bit awkward often, or, you know, for most people it's an awkward thing because it feels like you're selling your soul to, to like go from like designer, creator or artist to business owner. And I think I'm like, I hope that I help people navigate that so that they can sort of like be happy with how they're marketing the business because it can feel a bit icky. I think a lot of people coming, you know, from the kind of craft thing, like they make, they enjoy it. It's a hobby. It's something they enjoy doing, sorry. And then they want to sell it. They just don't like the selling part. It's not their favorite thing at all. So I enjoy it. And I enjoy teaching it. And so that's kind of how I see myself, this kind of like guy that's like, hey, you can make money with this and you can do it in a way that doesn't feel bad. Mm. Mm. Um, and I mean, besides a host of reasons why I think that you and I clicked, one of the big reasons we click. And so we found each other through a membership for membership sites. Yeah. Okay. But, I think, <laughs> but they're like, bond solidified in the fact that both of our audiences and both of the people that we're serving are these creatives and creatives are not the same as other people, right? They're, they're very specific. So like you talking about creatives having a hard time selling, I totally relate to that. Like I can understand that. Um, I know I have been told a lot that art should be free, art should be, um, you know, it's just like, I don't know, it's this intrinsic gift given, bestowed upon by the gods. And so because of that, doing work around it means you should do it out of the goodness of your heart. I, like, And so I think society teaches that to us. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's really difficult marketing that and selling that besides the fact that it's difficult to sell yourself yeah absolutely and I think it's also there's a lot or in my audience it's a lot of women and there's a lot of you know I'm not worth it it's just a little thing I do on the side like surely that's not worth a lot and they enjoy doing it so it's like they don't, it's like I can't comprehend sometimes that you can enjoy what you do and also make money from it. Like you don't have to hate your work <laughs> to be able to make a profit. And it's weird. I think there's a lot of like social or societal like 
you know, aspect that we kind of take on. And then when you go and launch a business, you have to like confront that and ask yourself like, okay, I get to decide what I want to do and what's good and bad and how I want to run this thing. Oh, okay. So we're getting together today on the podcast to talk about what it's like running a creative business. And I think you've got a lot more expertise with them with the running the creative business because you help people who run creative businesses. Okay. And I've got a bit more expertise maybe on the creative part because I help people with their creativity. We're going to be talking today about our experience running creative business, but obviously both of those are going to seep in. So maybe we can start by you tell me in one sentence, what it's like to run a creative business. Oof, okay, one sentence. Um, I was going to say it's hard, but like I don't want that to sound negative. Like hard doesn't have to be negative. It's just something in one way or another. It's never like perfectly okay or completely disastrous. Like it's like this really roller coaster of things go really well oh I'm I'm not doing well at all oh things go really well and I think you just kind of adjust and get to this and it takes a little while so it's it's madness (laughs) 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 yeah I think the roller coaster is good because I mean that's I think that's like the main thread of all our uh, WhatsApp voice notes to each other. It's just like, hey, I'm at the bottom of the roller coaster today, <laughs> or like I'm at the top of the roller coaster today. Um, yeah, how do you think a creative business is different from a regular business? You know, like all those online gurus that we see, and why is why is creativity? Why does it make it different? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I can rephrase it. I can rephrase it to say, like, if you think about someone running a handmade shop, how would their business be run differently to someone selling, I don't know, just stuff that they buy and resell? Yeah, well, I guess for the handmade shops, the biggest part is that it actually takes time to make the products before you can well, to sell them, you have to make them. And so there's that element of like, it's time consuming that most, you know, all these like online gurus, accessories that we hear about, it's very scalable business model of like digital things or services. And so it doesn't require quite the same time management than most handmade shop owners will have. And then piling Mm -hmm. onto that again, because it's women, often there's an element of like, there's a family around, maybe another job, maybe kids, and so it becomes this kind of like tra- you're stretching yourself between I need to work on the business so I can grow this thing, but also I have to work in the business so I can make products and then I have my life around it. And so it's not like this perfect Instagrammable, like, you know, picture of like, I've had my before 5 a.m. morning smoothie and then I'm going to go into my computer and do some work, you know, like it's messy. And I think maybe handmade shop owners and pretties are also less prepared for that because they don't usually come from like a business background. Some of them will, like some of them might be marketing managers in their day-to-day job and then they have that on the side. But most of them, it's they're just creative people who turn out to be really good at what they do and they want to make money from it, but they don't know how messy a business can be. And so it's like a surprise. It's like, ooh, you've opened the Pandora box of like what it's really like to run a business. What were you most surprised about 
running your business? How long some things will take that you think will be much faster when you first start? <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing too is that once you have that thing done, you actually can't remember. Like it's like time stretch in a weird way. Like when you're kind of putting the effort and the work into whatever project you're doing, you're like, this is taking so much time. I'm never going to see the end of this. Is this going to pay off? And then when it pays off, you forgot about all that. It's it's kind of like, I feel, I don't have kids, but this is what women say when they have kids and then you forget how giving birth is painful so you can have another kid. That's how it feels <laughs> in my head. It's like you forget. And then you're like, you, you're aiming for the next big thing again. And it's just this weird, it's like you're living in a different dimension sometimes. <laughs> Well, as someone with one kid, I am obviously the expert on kids, <laughs> but, but no, I think, yeah, a business and a child is the same. Like it is, it's very similar, very similar. Yeah. It pushes you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's maybe actually a better answer. It's like, it's funny how, cause I, I came from a business marketing background in terms of like my education. So I have a master's in um, business marketing. And then I worked in corporate marketing and then did consulting and freelance. So I've always been doing business. And so I felt quite equipped in terms of like how to run a business. Um, but the mindset work that you have to do to grow your business is probably what I had to come to terms with and go, okay, this is about me getting past all these fears that I have all of these doubts, all of these like imposter syndrome moments where you're like, what am I doing? What do I, what am I doing? What are people doing that? You know, it, this is the hard work. I think if you can get on top of that. And I mean, you would know, cause you, you know, like a voice not for me and WhatsApp every day of me going like, okay, so these are the thoughts I'm having today. <laughs> and these are, this is the hard part really. Uh, if you're willing to get vulnerable, what is your, biggest mindset change that you need um I think it fluctuates and some of them I've probably had in the past and not so much I used to have a lot more imposter syndrome than I do now and I've I don't know done the work or got used to it coming up and so I don't really care or listen to that little voice anymore um at the moment I'm wondering though and I don't know honestly I haven't really done like I need to do a bit of a deep dive within myself to figure that out so I don't even know if this is really true but I'm wondering if I am sort of upper limiting myself a little bit and if I have a little bit of a of success despite wanting to push for more I'm wondering if there is something that I need to kind of yeah work on I've been very surprised about the fears and the mindset work that has come up, like things that you don't expect. Like who, who has a fear of success? What the hell is that, Deborah? Why? You know, you know, I was that person saying that. I think you can probably find videos or podcasts or whatever of me saying, I don't understand fear of success. You know, like I'm so driven, like I want it so bad. But then you come so close to, like it's actually – I don't even know what it is, what fear success really is. I don't know if it's like a money relationship that we have and the more you make, you become uncomfortable with it. I don't know what it is. This is what, this is the work I need to do. Um, but yeah, it exists. And I always thought, I understand fear of failure. That makes complete sense to me. Like you don't want to do something and it fails, but fear of success, I was like, what do you mean? What's the problem with success? But yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, okay. 
tell me what what is a regular day like for you tell me what what a what a typical day running your business looks like yeah this is actually quite boring because it's really even not that messy because I don't have kids or anything like it's fairly organized um I wake up and then I often go to the gym so like I try and go three four five times a week um and then come home start have like an hour of breakfast if I'm feeling up for it I'll do some sort of journaling or meditating sometimes I don't do that for months and then I'll feel crap and then I'll pick up the habit again. so it's not like I do that every day but I, I kind of try and do something nice for me in the morning um and then I just get to my computer and pretty much stay there all day <laughs> You know, I have a nice lunch break and I try to go for a walk in the afternoon if I can to like break things up. But it's very like, yeah, it's very simple. I mean, I have the house to myself because Nick goes to work. He's a teacher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel pretty lucky. When I say that, I understand that some people are like, oh, my God, you have time to do that in the morning, like time for yourself after breakfast. And it's like, yeah. It might not always be the case, but at the moment it's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> but I think in the similar in the similar vein of fear of success being weird, I think the fact that you are creating time for yourself is super impressive. I know before before I had Elliot, my days would literally look like I would wake up at five, I'd run, like basically run to my computer and then I would work until, I don't know, 10 o'clock and then go to sleep and then be excited about working. Like it was, it's, it's so much more difficult to have a slow breakfast, go to the gym, spend time on yourself, eat. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. I think it's, it's very commendable that you do fit that in. But I've learned it because I've done the other thing, which is, I'm working 12, 14 hours a day. I'm eating at the computer. I'm working from five. Yeah, like you said, you're working from five a.m. to like midnight and you're thinking about work while you're sleeping, <laughs> dreaming about it. And for a while there, I think when you first start a business, you're so excited that actually you feel like this energy and it's like a drive that's like, it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel like it's too much until it all catches up and you crash. And I've come close to burnout once I would say, I don't know how you define burnout, but there's definitely one point where I was like, I think this is it. I think I'm in it. <laughs> I need to be in bed. I think that's that, um, you know, and, and it just wasn't healthy and it wasn't sustainable. And my back was really painful mentally. I was just flat. Um, so it got bad before I forced some guidelines for myself. And I think I realized, you know, if I'm so disciplined with my work, like if I have the deadline, I will stick to it. If I've got a project, it will get done. Why can't I do that with going for a walk? I live next to the ocean. <laughs> like it's like I forgot for a couple of years that the ocean was there and going to the gym and just like looking after myself. So I started thinking about it like it's a part of my to-do list. <laughs> And I actually have it in my asana, like meditate journal. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm ridiculous. Um, but that's how I, I discovered that it's not sustainable. And it's funny because I remember hearing people saying that on podcasts and on videos and things when I was doing it and working too much and thinking I'm different, you know, it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> and then boom. And then you're the one telling others. Well, listening to us right now, probably going, no, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> and it does eventually. It will. 
It will. Um, I think the weird thing that I have learned with balancing everything as much as you can balance, but basically when I say balance, I mean putting some life into your work, <laughs> you know, like putting some living, uh, fitting it into your work schedule. Uh, the surprising thing about it is that it actually makes you more productive when you are looking after your own needs and, and, um, and looking after your own needs also, it doesn't only look like ignoring work. It doesn't only look like working less. It also, yeah, it's just like a more holistic way. Yeah. So you're top A, right? You top A personality all the way. Yeah. <laughs> top A. Do you think that you need to be top A to run a creative business or a business at all? Um, no, I don't think you need to be anything or anyone to run a business. You can be just yourself and then you just do things differently. I think this is actually a very interesting comment because, you know, there is so much of like, there's so much advice online that's trying to fit people in business models and stuff into like those nice little squares. And I think a lot of creatives actually struggle with that because they're like, no, I don't really like this. I do like that, but not this. And there's just so many ways to run a business and to do marketing and to like talk about your products and your story and whatever it is you're selling. And I think like, yeah, you have to find what works for you. And it's, there's no way it's going to be the same for everyone. And I think it's a bit sad when I see people trying to do something because they see someone else do it and being successful at it and they hate doing it but they keep going because they're like, this is what people that are successful do. And you're like, well, yeah, but that's their way of being successful and you have to find yours and it's okay if it's totally different and actually being creative in that way is, is probably a great asset. How have you, how have you seen that in your own life? Um, in my own life or like with the, or in the life of people I work with? Yours. Yours. Um, um, I know you're used to putting your members first and thinking about your glorious handmade shop owners, but um, tell me about you. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know because now I feel like a lot of people are doing the kind of stuff that I'm doing in the way that I'm doing it. So I don't feel super original in the, in the way I'm marketing and doing things. Um but I know there's also definitely things that I don't do because I don't feel like it. And it's just, that's literally the only reason <laughs> there's no like business reasoning behind it. Like you're not going to find me really often on Instagram. I mean, I'm there, I've got a presence, but I'm just not, you know, like if this platform gives me anxiety, like I just don't like it that much. I do enough that it helps my business, but I just don't, you know, if anyone was to try to tell me like, you have to go live and do stories every day, and have to do all these things, I would just be completely unhappy. Like that would just not be for me. You know, I just find platforms that work for me. I like videos more than I like um, podcasts, although I have a podcast now, so I guess I've changed my mind on that. But, you know, when I first started out, it was difficult for me to imagine doing a podcast mm -hmm. with my which was maybe a mindset problem. I don't know. Maybe my accent was stronger too. But I thought if people can see me on video, they will most likely be able to read my leaves. I'm like, understand me. Like, this was my thinking. 
if I did that and someone else in my position might have thought there's no way I'm doing a video because I have an accent therefore I'm going to blog or whatever I don't know you just have to do what makes you feel excited and, and happy you know so that you can do it consistently mm. like the key mm. yeah tell me more about getting up your accent because I get a lot of people um, a lot of artists who are basically essentially not from America, right? Because that's at the moment, the American accent is the standard accent on the internet. Um, and I get a lot of messages from people in Europe saying that they're scared just to record, like just to page through their journals or to page through their art and show their art because they don't want to have an accent. So how do you get over that? Ridiculous. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like, That makes me sad and angry at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, like, what's an accent? Like, you could say that the perfect British or American accent is an accent and that you don't have an accent. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an accent in you guys. I mean, at the end of the day, if people can understand you, um, that's great. And if you have things to say, then say them, you know? I think this is just sad. Like, I do get a lot of, um, I don't care anymore. I used to be definitely terrified about doing videos, teaching. I mean, I record videos all the time. I'm constantly like in a microphone in, you know, or a video. Um, and I was really scared of that. Now I don't really care because I actually realize like this is not really my problem. It's really the problem of the person who's thinking that my accent is wrong or my spelling. Like I get so many, I get comments on my videos about my accent and people trying to teach me how to pronounce words. <laughs> If I knew how to pronounce it, I would. I'm not trying to mess it up on purpose. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> and also, what is the point of this comment? Like, it just kind of makes me laugh now, but I understand that it wasn't always the case. And you definitely heard a few voice note of me going, so this person said that in my comment, and I'm upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, I mean, me saying, yeah, obviously I just had a, a zoom call with uh, an American woman, amazing person, but that's besides the point. But yeah, that, that's why I'm saying, yeah, like that is not normal for me. That's just come from talking to Americans. Um, normally I would say, yeah. So I think there's like, there is kind of, there is kind of an amalgamation that happens when you're putting yourself online and trying to get people to understand you and all of those things. But at the same time, I think it's exciting when there are different voices online. And I mean, we're talking about accents now, but it goes for everything, right? Yeah. Don't do, don't do things the way you see everyone else doing. Um, because then you're missing out on someone who's desperately searching for someone that's like them or, you know, speaks like them, uh, sounds like them, looks like them, sees the world in a similar way. Um, there's just so much value in putting yourself out there and you being vulnerable in, in order to encourage other people to be vulnerable too. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, if you are scared of doing it because you don't see enough people doing it with an accent that's similar to yours or a style or whatever it is that we're talking about, like, you know, that uniqueness, then be that person because there's definitely someone else out there that's going to be inspired by that. And I think that's really important to remember that. And then at the end of the 
day as well. Who cares what people think? Sometimes I think that about myself and it really helps me feel like I'm just no one who cares what I think or who cares what I do, you know, and it helps me like get rid of my own opinions about myself. Cause I think at the end of the day, that's probably what it is, is more like your self judgment and you going like, I wish I could speak with a better accent. I wish I had better ideas. I wish I made better art, whatever that means. Um, and it's like self-judgment more so than like, like, you know, you're, you're like, oh, I'm scared of what people will think is often I'm scared of my own judgment on this. If you felt good and confident, then, you know, what other people think wouldn't really be a problem. <laughs> so often it's like you have to work in, again, it's like it's mindset work in your own head. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about imperfect businesses and and running a business with life happening, with children running around. Um, maybe you're growing a business and you're still working full time. You know, we always want with art, with business, with life, we always want to straighten our path. We want to know, okay, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. And it doesn't work like that. And it's so uncomfortable because it doesn't work like that. Uh, how how do we push, how do we push through that? How do we, how do, how are we okay with sitting in the mess and the muck and the uncomfortable? Yeah. I think it's an expectation issue to start with. Like, it's like we have to lower <laughs> the expectations of like what it should look like. Like all the, <laughs> sh- all the shoot essentially needs to go. Like it should be like this. Why isn't it like that? I should be doing more of this. I should have had time to do that you know or like my kids shouldn't be doing that like all this stuff is totally useless because if you don't if you can't like it's it's like accepting that like being messy is actually just normal and I think sadly it's again like no one really shares the behind the scene the honest behind the scene not the behind the scene that helps you sell your product you know because it's like you're perfectly imperfect and like so vulnerable <laughs> and opening up it's like that annoys me because it's a disservice to like what the real mess is. Like, let's honor the mess. Like we all have messy. Like, I don't know. I feel like even I sometimes I'm like, I I should share more of like how messy it can get. Like I I feel sometimes like are people who watch my business or my videos imagine that like I have all my ducks in order because I don't like there's many areas in my life and business that feel like, holy cow, I need to deal with this. Like, this is a mess, but I don't have time. So I'm just going to be focusing on that. And I don't think it's ever going to go away. You know, I'm just used to it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Having it, just getting used to it is, I think that's, that's what makes you, you in general. Like that's what makes a person a successful business owner, artist, life liver, whatever is just, is just getting used to all of the ducks being thrown across the room and some on the floor and some in the sky <laughs> all over. Yeah. And a little bit of like forgiveness as well for like sometimes, and I'm really bad mm. at that. that I say that, but like, I'm really hard on myself if I don't do something properly or like, you know, I have a lot of, um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm too hard on myself. Like I'm a bad friend to myself, you know? And sometimes I think, you know, you didn't do what you wanted to do this week. It's okay. Like this happened. You had to deal with this in your family. You just were tired. Sometimes you're just tired. You need a break, take it, you know? And I think, yeah, I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves and who we're competing with, but like, 
it needs to stop. And I'm like mostly saying this to myself, like and I'm <laughs> now, but again, like for my first couple of years in business, it was like terrible. Like I was just so mean to myself. I was just constantly pushing this poor girl, not letting her sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of that you have to find that in between and both of us tend to be, more hard on ourselves than less hard on ourselves because you also get the other extreme with people that are just like oh well life's too tough I can't do anything and they're just lying to themselves about that so you need to find that like balance where you are being true with yourself you're being um true with what you're hearing from yourself so you need to like be knowing what you're saying and then also kind like you just need to be kind and yeah, I think it's like this like balance between all of them in order to just be happy with the path you're on and okay with it and zen even though everything around you is completely unzen. Yeah. And I think you know you can also just put some because that balance as you're saying is really important like it's like yeah you have to be kind but there's also a minimum thing like something you do need to get done. Yeah. And I just having that list very clear like it's it can't be a big list but it needs to be like some sort of what are the things that I consistently need to be doing to either make art every day if that's what you want to do or weekly or however many times you want to do that a week um or working on my business and like what's the very minimum thing that I can commit to um and then protect that and sometimes it just maybe is two hours a week you know um, but that's two hours a week that you're protecting and then you're putting buffers around that. Maybe you'll have actually eight hours that week. Great. Then you can, you know, do whatever you want with the six extra. But I think that minimum thing is really important. Um, I know I, I often start there with my members, um, telling them that exactly and saying how many hours minimum, like it's like life or death. Like you, you have to do this minimum. So you have to be able to really commit to it. Um, and often they're a bit disappointed because they're like, well, if I really have to do it every week and it's like really the minimum, it might be only four hours. And I'm like, great, that's four hours. That's great. When? <laughs> and then like protect that, like it's very precious and be happy with just that little bit of time that you have. Even if it's like half hour on Sunday morning, 40 minutes Tuesday night, you know, like whenever we protect that minimum. Oh, I love it so much. Like I love it in my core so much. I think that is the best advice I could ever give anything, anyone on anything, on business, on art, is what what have you got? Like find your raw materials, okay? Um, you know, like I've got a son, I've got a full-time job, I've got, um, you know, a life to live, I need to have downtime. And you like figure out what all your raw materials are and find out what you have to give yourself for something that you're trying out, whether it's a new business, new art practice. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's my life. That's all I can think of. A fitness routine, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then just doing that. And, and I mean, I always say more than zero is enough. Like that's my favorite catchphrase. Like that's anything more than zero. Cause at the moment you're doing zero. So like, any other alternative is amazing and worthy of celebration. Um, but I love the way you say protect that. Like it is precious. It is something to look after. It's like the, like an image that I was thinking of when you're talking about it is like a little birdie, right? A little birdie in the nest and you're just going to like look after him and make sure that he doesn't fall out the nest and die. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I think, you know, it comes down to being a bit real with yourself as well, which is like, um, like, what do you have and be happy with that? Don't fight reality. Cause if you're like, Oh, I have two hours, but I really, I need 12. Then you feel terrible. It's like, but you don't have them. So like, it's like an unhelpful conversation that you're having with yourself. Like, just what do you have? That's what you have. Let's move on <laughs> and do what we can with that. And then the second thing is to, well, at least I don't know if that would work for us, but it can. Um, but for my people, for like can make shop owners, some of them, they're just getting started. They don't even have a shop yet. Some of them, they do have one, but it's not really doing well. And so they often don't really consider themselves as like a business owner or like this is not important yet because it's not making money yet. And it's problematic because then it doesn't get prioritized as if it was making money. And because of that, it's like a vicious, like a vicious circle. Um, and it will never make money because it never gets prioritized. So I think you have to be honest with yourself in terms of like, what do you have and, 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 and use that. Um, but also protect that. Like it's your, like it's a job because if you had a part-time job, wherever, like, I don't know, you go to an office like four hours a week and you have a shift there, well, you would show up for four hours, like no matter what happened, you would find a way for your life to kind of like work around that. And it's kind of like doing that mindset shift of going, well, those four hours that I want to really protect for this project that I have, I'm going to treat them like it's work. Like I have to show up, like it's, it's something that I just have to do. And so that means you have conversation with your family, your husband, your kids, whatever, like whoever is in your life that, Hey, I have this thing that I'm doing four hours a week and we're going to have to like organize ourselves as a family around this because it's important. I have to show up for this thing. And I think it like puts you in a better um, frame of mind as well. So like you're working on something that's like a bit more official and it's scary to do that, but you have to do it. If that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And I think the other thing is we often tell ourselves a whole bunch of lies, right? Like you saying, getting together with your family and saying like, this is the plan. I need to do this. Like, how can we work around it? We think going into that, oh no, they'll think it's stupid. This is embarrassing. Like, you know, it's not making a million dollars. So it's not worth anything. Um, and, and often, I mean, I know with myself, with T, if I have to do work that's out of the normal realm and I need him to look after Elliot, I always feel incredibly guilty and then I'll ask him and he'll be like, Oh yeah, that, like, that's fine. Like, obviously that's fine. And, um, and so, you know, the people around you tend to be, tend to be people that care about you and are kinder to you a lot more than you are to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, there's also cases where they want to understand and then it becomes like, mm. that. <laughs> like, let them not understand it. Mm. You know, like I hear that a lot in, in my niche. It's like, um, How's it going with your little shop? Oh, you know, some sort of like condescending question at like the family table, like Easter, like your uncle is like, so how's it going with your little side hobby business thingy? And you're just kind of like want to scream and like shaking. <laughs> oh, I'm working very hard on this. Um, but you know, like whatever, let him think that. Like it what the, doesn't change anything. Like, cool, he has no pain from it. That's his problem. Like moving on, you know. Because it will happen. There's some people that absolutely, especially when you like go from craft to like selling, people are like, oh cute. And you're like, no, no, not cute. I have like taxes. I think <laughs> like I do bookkeeping and stuff, like I'm a business. <laughs> yeah, taxes, taxes not cute. Um, I've got two things to say about that. I don't know if I can remember the second one, but let's jump into the first. Um, sometimes also it's not necessarily like, it's not them being a dick, 
right? It's some, it's just them being ignorant. Uh, for I think I've told you, but um, my dad still calls every now and then calls my business an Etsy shop, and like. <laughs> <laughs> he knows my financials, right? Like I share my financials with him because like when I hit a million rand, which is like South African currency, you know, it means nothing to anyone, but like, it's a million, right? That's a nice number to tell your dad. Okay. Yeah. And so to, like, he knows all of my finances and he, yeah, he called it an Etsy shop and I was like, okay. <laughs> right. Um, and oh, I remember the second thing. The other thing is, um, is like when you start running, for example, no one's going to be saying, oh, are you, are you any good at it? Right. But for yeah. some reason, like if you start an art practice, people will always ask, oh, are you, are you good at, are you good at art yet? Um, and yeah. when you start a business, they're like, oh, are you profitable? Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that is so true. I feel that with the art thing so much because I'm the queen of like starting to learn something and then giving up or picking, like, you know, I, I'll never get to the, to, I've just accepted that about myself. Like I like change crafts and hobbies and things all the time. So I'll do watercolor and then I'm over it and then I'll go some yarn fabric thing and I'll go back to watercolor, but like never, I'd never do something long enough that I'd actually become good at it. I just enjoy doing ugly stuff. <laughs> And it makes me happy. So whatever. But when someone is like, oh, what have, what have you been doing today? Then I'm like, oh, I was just like doing a bit of like watercolor and instantly say, we're having dinner at my place. They're like, oh, show me. And I'm like, oh no. I'm just feeling that like, yeah, they expect me that if I'm doing it, it's because I like woke up and I was like, oh, I'm a genius at it. So I must take a brush and start. And it's like, no, actually you start and you crap and then you get better. But yeah, it's so true. That is so true. That's weird and true <laughs> I think we need to like normalize the things because because that's what art is right it's just having fun and you don't need to be good at it you don't need to you don't have to always be learning new things you just it's just a nice thing to do and I think yeah. society has just elevated it to this ridiculous point where it's meant to be I don't know like they expect the heavens to open up and the sun to shine right onto your canvas or your journal. And yeah, no, we need to really like normalize it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny the thing you're saying about your dad. I'm like, I was thinking it would be hilarious to ask like 15 people around you, like family and friends, like to recall like a 10 second, <gasps> you know, what, so what does Kelly do? You know, like what does Deb do? And then be like, Oh, they have no idea. Like, I think at this point, my parents, my brother, and like my really close friends have a pretty good understanding of what I do because I've explained it so many times. But most most people still would be like, honestly, I don't know, like something handmade business. I don't know, like she is she still doing like freelance or consulting or like what is I don't know. Like they don't they have no idea, and like I stopped caring. And it's like I think, and I remember actually, I have this memory of this. I think it was Christmas or something when I first launched um, Tizzet. I was still working as a consultant in a bigger firm, and I said, "Oh, I'm doing this thing on the side and whatever." And it was very much treated as this like hobby business. And in my head, I was just like, "Oh, you wait. <laughs> you know, this is me quitting this consulting job in a few months because I'll be making money from this." But I obviously didn't say that. But I remember feeling offended by like the condescending tone and at the same time kind of fired up by it and going like, no, no, you wait. <laughs> this is going uh... to be. Um, 
And then a bit similar with my parents. I felt like for a while they didn't really, they were like, what is Deb doing? Can she just get a job? Like, you know, that's their understanding of the workforce is also very different than what our generation is doing. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing is like, you know, opened up possibilities that they don't really understand. Like membership side videos, online courses, like my family are like, what is that? Like, you know, they're like, we have Netflix. <laughs> and they're super happy about that. <laughs> so anyway i think for a while they they definitely didn't get it and didn't get that it was actually successful and you know making money until we actually had to talk to them and like no this is actually what we are doing and how it's working and it's doing well because of these reasons and sharing financials and things like not in great details because i don't care all that much about what they think but you know and they're like, oh, okay, oh, okay. So this is this is actually pretty well. And I'm like, yes, this is my work. This is what I do. I don't just like sit at the computer on Etsy every day, like looking at products. <laughs> so, that's what I do. Well, I think it's also important, like the other, the older generation, and just like people that are outside of what we do. Um, they have their own measure of success. Like they have their own definition for what a successful life looks like. And it's completely different to ours. And, and I think this whole business journey is figuring out, like figuring out what is important to us and how we can live in a way that's in alignment with what's important to us. I know that when I met you, um, we met in real life, just be- it was just before COVID, so lucky us. Um, but when I met you, I remember at the, where I was mentally at that stage was not a very good place uh, with regards to my business. I was feeling so much guilt for loving it and for loving mm. all the tasks, even the shitty tasks, like even like fixing tech stuff. You know, I loved all of it all of it. But yeah, but I was feeling guilty and people around me were making me feel guilty about it. And then I met you and you're like, like, I really struggle with doing anything. That's not my business. And I was like, Oh my word. I have, (laughs) I have like found someone who totally gets it. Um, and, and I know it's like a stupid, not stupid, but it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to feel guilt about how much you love your business right but I think you gave me the permission that it's okay to feel the way you do feel about your business um and to be excited by it and yeah all of that so that's what you have you gave to me like right off the bat is you gave that how do you find being in a community or like having you've got a mastermind um and you've got me that you talk to about your business uh, and obviously Nick, your partner, um, what has community done for you with your business? Um, so much. It's difficult to like quantify it. Like to say, this is exactly what I've, you know, gotten from it, but I think it's such, it's so lonely if you don't have that, like, especially if you do something that not many people in your town, in your family, in your friend group is, you know, are, are doing, um, you have to have someone that you can talk to that understands what it is you're going through. And not just like the business thing, like how do I do this? Or, you know, more so like the mindset work that we were talking about. Like sometimes you just need someone to tell you you're not crazy. Everything's going to be okay. Congratulations. You did really well. Like, you know, just someone that kind of shares that story with you. Um, and I think, well, you have been a massive part of that. Cause I mean, 
we met, we are texting and talking and all that every day. Like, I don't know, you have been a very big presence since I've met you and that's been really lovely because it's more than just a business. I mean, we have very similar business models. We, we do things a bit differently inside of our community and membership, but we understand like, you know, the business model is similar, similar kind of uh, customers as well because we're working with creatives. And I think we have the same values as well. And I think this is like what's really important is finding people around you that you can talk to that have similar values that understand what you want to do, what you're doing in the way that you're doing it. Um, because I have been part of masterminds and groups that haven't really worked for me because that w- there was a disconnect there. And I was like, oh, I don't really think they really truly understand me or respect, you know, the vision that I have for my business and all, all my life even. Um, but yeah, I've gotten so much out of it. Um, it's nice to hear the disasters in other people's businesses. I think I was telling you <laughs> actually one day, I was like, we should start a podcast. Instead of success stories, it would be like massive failures or something. <laughs> it's like really, it sounds so negative and bad. Um, but I'm saying that was like the biggest smile on my face too, because it's not like, oh, let's like be happy about other people failing. It's like, it's not that at all. It's more so going like, oh, wow, okay, everyone is having issues. And so it normalizes it and you have to normalize problems because problems are the only way you eventually find the thing that works. And like, I just like that. I like to have like this open doors into other people's businesses and see like what they're struggling with and they might be different to what I'm struggling with and like exchanging and having other people like looking at your business tell you, I would do this differently or, you know, like yeah super super helpful to have that like constructive feedback and see what's going on for other people yeah yeah I love it when you tell me if something bad has happened to you I'm just like oh yeah <laughs> that that totally could have happened to me but I'm glad <laughs> like I'm glad to see it from afar <laughs> yeah and it's funny because it actually it also makes you sometimes I'm like oh Kelly's gonna love this and I'm like <laughs> yeah oh. Well, be like, okay, you're going to love this. This just happened. It's just <laughs> right now. And it like, it makes me feel less bad about the problem. Cause I'm like, oh, it's actually just funny. Like we'll sort it out, you know? And yeah. then of also all the like happy things that we get to share as well. Like, oh, well done. Like this went really well, which like seriously, some of my real life friends, uh, you're, I call you a virtual friend, but you're not really, we've met, but you know, you're like in a different country. Yeah. <laughs> There's people in my life like that I see um, that just like they wouldn't understand. Like if I picked up the phone and be like, oh, I'm super happy because I just like finished this course and I'm really happy with it and blah, blah, blah. They'd be like, what? Okay, cool. Um, should we have coffee? I mean, what are you talking about? You know, like they don't understand. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I understand that. Um, oh, man. Okay. So to end us off, what would be, what would be your one tip? for someone that, that is making art right now and maybe wants to turn it into a business? Okay. Um, one step at a time. And it will take many little, 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 little steps that will compound over time to get that magnificent moment where you're like, okay, I am making a full-time income if that's what you want to make. I think... I just want people to like enjoy the journey one little step at a time. Everything is totally doable. Um, Be ready to confront yourselves like in your thoughts and your brain because that's going to be the hard part. You can learn all of the business and marketing stuff 
on your own on Google with like, you know, courses, whatever you want to do, books, podcasts. That's like something you can do. Like you're intelligent, you can do this. The hard part is going to be mastering, like being comfortable with selling something that you enjoy making, putting something that you've put your heart and your soul into, like this product or this piece of art um, and putting it in the world. And maybe people will love it and some people might not love it and being happy with that no matter what and still being happy with what you've created. I think this is like the stuff that I would encourage you to work on the most because if you can do that, you can do anything in business. Like there's, there's, you know, the business side of thing is not what is the problem ever. <laughs> That's the easy part. <laughs> That's such a sneaky way of, of giving one tip. <laughs> I know, I know, but like, it's so hard. Like one tip, what would you say? I'm just going to question back at you. <laughs> what would I say? Damn. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm going to say join Deb's membership. Like, join <laughs> like this isn't a podcast that invites people on in order to promote themselves so I can promote you on your behalf. Um, but you have every single step that they need to go through. Yeah. I, like, you know, I think, but I don't want to like, I didn't want to like sound promoting as well because like, you know, yeah, you can no. help us like the business and marketing side of things. Yeah, check out what we do. But it's more <laughs> like, I guess, okay, here's my tip. It's like figure out what you need. I think it's important. I think so many people um, don't know that. It's like what kind of person are you and what do you need? Do you need a mastermind group? Is that how you would like to be helped mm. in your business? Do you need a community? Do you need an accountability buddy? Do you need group coaching? Do you, are you actually loving learning on your own? And so like pretty, you know, um, self-paced courses and things like that are good for you. Like actually taking time, like away from the computer, like, because as soon as you start Googling something, products and services and videos and podcasts and stuff show, show up and then you forgot what it is you really need. Um, so I think asking yourself, like, what, what do I have? How much time do I have? Like we were saying, protect that. And what do I need to do with it? And then you find mm -hmm. solutions for that so that you can do something that really works for you. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was another 15 tips in one. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, but I mean, it also ties back into doing taking things step by step because both of us are, are still figuring out what we need at every yeah. different stage. It's continuously changing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, That's exciting. I'm excited about that too. I'm excited about the fact mm. that we're still... I don't think we'll ever have it all figured out. Like as soon as you figure something out, you're already thinking about the next problem you want to fix. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. This is what business is. Like yeah. get to your goal and then you're like, oh, that goal is too small. Let's end more. And it's just, it's ridiculous. We are ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, thanks so much for chatting to me today in this setting. It was so much fun. Thank you. Anytime. I really enjoyed that. That was really nice. <laughs>